and welcome to Middle of the Dial, the music podcast for the entertainment website Middle of the Row. Uh, my name is Jonathan Rahul, and I am here with the lovely Brianna Hunt of Many Rooms. Hello. <laughs> um, so to start off with, I was wondering if for people who aren't familiar with your music, you could just talk about sort of when you started out playing music, both kind of informally, and then when you started the project as a whole. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I guess I've been writing songs since I was like in middle school. Just like, you know, I was a Christian kid, so I'd do like um, super cheesy worship songs and then like breakup songs about boys I never dated because I, did, I didn't date, I wasn't allowed to. But I just wrote songs like about that, like in my head about imaginary boyfriends. <laughs> um, and then uh, in high school, I kind of made friends my sophomore year with some musicians like who loved music and they introduced me to all these bands like As Cities Burn and... Um, Under Oath and Emery, like Christ Core music, basically. And um, they played shows. And so I was like still writing music, but just for myself. Um, but they kind of got me into like, you know, doing shows in the area. I was in like New Mexico, um, small town. So we do like these small town coffee shop shows. Um, but yeah, like, I guess so my high, in high school, I would, I would write songs and um, I had this uh, eight-track Tascam recorder that I would do in my room and like make like these CDs of songs that I wrote, and then uh, um, so I was like playing shows whenever I could, whenever I could find them, and um, I guess oh, I'm trying to think of the timeline. Um, I went to college and then I dropped out because I hated it. I thought it was stupid. I was spending too much money um, for stuff that I didn't feel like I cared about. And uh, I was like, you know, I want to do music, and um, I don't have to go to college for that. So I moved to Nashville uh, pretty soon after that, and just started doing house shows in, in Nashville whenever I could find them as well, um, under the name Captain. Yeah. Um, and I released, I had Hollow Body out, uh, yeah. the EP, like I self-released it. Um, I self-released it in like 2014, 15. Yeah. Um, and then I was signed uh, in 2016, um, and I had just changed my name right before I got signed to Many Rooms, and we just re-released the EP, the Hollow Body EP, from from that, from the label Other People Records. And so that's kind of where everything took off, like really took off. Um, I went on my first tour in 2016 um, with Chris Bernstorff, uh, this like spoken word artist, and. I did like a lot of DIY for the whole year of 2016. Lots of house shows. Um, it was really fun. And um, I wrote my first, I guess, debut debut LP uh, in January of 2017. Um, and we released it last year. And so now we're here now doing, doing the Copeland tour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... Just so I can also mention, uh, that album made it onto my end of the year list. So a plug for the website, go check out my end of the year list from 2018. Um, cause there is a presence here is on it and it is phenomenal. Thank it is fantastic. So um, with that, I was wondering if you could talk about, cause you said a lot of, well, hollow body specifically, like showed up again on that LP. Mm -hmm. Um, but you kind of changed it up and you changed up the arrangements. Um, and even that, just the entire vibe of that album, it's very kind of 
bare and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering if you could talk us through the recording process and the writing process for some of the other songs on that album. Cool. The, uh, the there's a presence here. The, yeah, there's cool. a presence here. Yes. Um. So I went to a, a, a studio called the Machine Shop, um, in New Jersey, and recorded with my friend Randy LaBeouf. Um, and I had never done music with him before. We just, we toured together with a band that he's in called Tradewind. Um, and we just talked about music a lot. And I was like, I, f- I feel a good vibe with this person. Like, I feel like it would be cool to write with him. So I went to the studio and I had like maybe four or five songs that I had finished like completely. Um, and then a few that I had like kind of like halfway done, like skeletons of songs. Um, so I went to the studio with those and I was, it was kind of chaotic and I was really scared and stressed about how it was going to turn out because I was like, I don't have enough material for a full record. I don't know how this is going to go. So we had two weeks in the studio to, yeah, to do the whole record. Um, but I'm so glad that I did it with Randy because he had so much to contribute, um, with just the whole, the whole vibe and the presence of the record is like. I attribute most of it to him. Like he really helped out with it. Um, just to like help me get my thoughts in order and, and figure out what I wanted, how I wanted people to feel and how I wanted it to be. So, um, the whole, the whole two weeks I was pretty severely depressed, just being really isolated. There wasn't anybody else in the studio except for me and Randy and like the, a few other guys who would come in and out, but I'd never see them. Um, and I, I I say that just because I want to acknowledge that that had a big part to play in how the how the songs turned out, because um, I was I felt like I was really like separated mm-hmm. um, from everything, and I, it felt like there was a veil over my over my eyes. Yeah. Um, and I and I feel like that projected into the songs subconsciously, like I wasn't doing anything purpose, like you know I want this to sound like this because I'm feeling this way it just happened that way so like you know the lo-fi thing um that was that was actually Randy's idea Mm -hmm. um and I was not sure about it because I was like you know lo-fi bands like I don't know how I feel about those because they're kind of their own genre and I don't know if I want to be um pigeonholed to that genre yeah but there's almost a pretension to it right yeah yeah and I don't you know I don't want to sound pretentious I just want to make honest art yeah um but Randy was like, let's just try it. If you don't like it, like, we'll we'll try something else. But we tried it, and I was like, you know what? This is cool. Because, like, all of the other aspects of the songs were, you know, everything is up front, like, mm-hmm. here. And then my voice was, you know, back. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy looking back on that now because it's, it's a good – it's such a, like, projection of my mental state at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I had, so I wanted to redo Hollow Body. I knew that I wanted to do that in a different way because I just really love that song. And I, I don't like the old recording. So I was like, let's just do something new. Um, and then uh, Danielle. Danielle was a very bare song when I first brought it in. And then me and Randy just did something new with it. I wanted to do like a, I don't know what that word is, but like, you know, the Japanese house? The band, the Japanese house. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, she does this like, I wish I remember, but vocoder. She does okay, vocoder yeah. with her voice in um, Oathbreaker, mm-hmm. um, in their song Immortals. She has this crazy thing going on with her vocals where it sounds like, 
like vocoded voice. Yeah. And I was like, it sounds so creepy, but cool. And I really want to do that. So I brought that into Danielle mm-hmm. and was like, let's do some like crazy, like almost, almost auto tune sort of yeah. vocals in the background. Um, so yeah. Um, and then uh, I'm just trying to think of like the main songs. It kind of sucks like looking back because there were a few songs that didn't work as hard on that I wish yeah. I did. Like the last like three songs of the record or four songs of the record are kind of like I got lazy um, huh. and I'm bummed about it. <laughs> but it's cool. I mean, it's cool because I can, you know, look at it and be like, okay, this is what I want to do differently. This, yeah. I could, I could do better and I want to do better. But um, I mean, I guess for like, for a debut LP regardless, um, the the Captain EP, the Hollow Body EP aside, like you've been getting huge acclaim for like you got featured in Stereo Gum, you got the NPR stamp of approval, which yeah. I think is like a huge deal. Yeah, so it's crazy. how is so feeling the way that you do ab- about the recording process, but then getting the kind of acclaim after the fact, like how has that been that tension between like oh I wish I could do better and that kind of thing, but then also getting so much praise for it. It's it's a motivator for sure. It's yeah. like okay well people like this mm-hmm. um and there was there was one review that like was slightly negative like okay. not even not even fully negative it was like this is a good record not front to back like yeah. the, la- the last end of the record is not as good as it could be and i was like you know what they're right you know <laughs> yeah um but yeah getting that acclaim was unexpected i yeah. mean i every time it would happen i'd be like what the fuck is going on <laughs> yeah. i i don't understand um, and it's just been hard to like grasp, you know, yeah. people enjoying and like really getting something out of something that I wrote mm-hmm. and especially like the mental state that I was in when yeah. I was writing it, um, keeping that in mind and, and knowing how much better I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like, man, I just really need to bust my ass yeah. from that, from here forward. Like it's just, it, it's motivated me to to work harder so it's a good thing that's awesome so then knowing that or with all that motivation uh talk us about talk to us about 99 proof so Mm -hmm. the latest single you just put out that Mm -hmm. also got featured on npr um (laughs) and you've been you've been kind of self-deprecating about it on twitter i think (laughs) well i mean yeah because i don't even know why i did this like when when my label was like what's the name of the song and i hadn't thought of it yet i was like thinking of like what can I what can I name this song to like match you know the the feel of it and, mm-hmm. and the message that I'm trying to send, um, and I was like oh Martin Luther's 99 whatever in my head and I was like it's like 99 proofs like in my head I was just like it's 99 proofs so I called it that, and then literally like a, two weeks ago or something I googled it and it's the 95 thesis. And there's no 99 proofs or anything anywhere. And I was like, where did I get that from? And why didn't I Google it before I called it <laughs> that? Like, that's insane. But, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, like, embrace it. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, whatever. That's just, that happens, and it's funny. And yeah. it's, it's a funny story to tell. So what was it like recording uh, recording that song, though, and the yeah. writing process for that? Um, so I did that song with my friend Corey Kaufman. Um, he's in a band called Gleamer. Who's also on my on my record label, okay. um, and he lives in Colorado, uh, something spring. I can't remember what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just like he has his uh, studio in his parents' basement, mm-hmm. and uh, just went to the studio and worked on two songs for two days, um, and Ninety Nine Proofs was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I had finished it. Like I, I wrote like on, it's crazy. Like I was working on demos cause we were planning to record together for a few months. Um, and I didn't have anything like really, I had a few demos that I was like, I don't, I'm not really feeling this. Um, and like a day or two before I was supposed to go to Colorado, I just, it just came out of me. Like, I was like, I really need to do something. So it's just, it was just one of those times where I, I wrote a song in like two minutes and I was like, I don't know where that came from, but it happened. Um, and it's really, I'm really glad that it happened because, you know, the song, I'm, it's one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. Um, so yeah, I like had the whole thing written out on my acoustic and then I went in with, Co- with Corey um, and I, I really loved working with Corey because he didn't like, he wasn't trying to change anything about my writing style, but to enhance, um, which Randy's the same way. Um, yeah. So Corey like just challenged me a lot, um, which I really, I really loved that. Like it, there was a lot of uncomfortable things I did like vocal wise. Cause I've never really sang in that kind of range before. Um, and I was really scared to do it because I don't think I like, I don't like my voice a lot, like in that higher range. I try to keep it breathy. Um, and so he like, we, I showed him the, the chords and he was like, let's, you know, let's, let's see what we can do with this. And I, I messed around with like different tunings and stuff. And we settled with, I think, D standard or D, open D tuning. And I was like, this sounds really pretty. I like this. So we started with the acoustic and just recorded the whole thing acoustic. Um, and then we just bounced ideas off of each other, basically, until the song was finished. Like, um, it was definitely a, like a team effort. And he has a lot. Um, he He's responsible for, like, a lot of the coolness of that sound. I mean, he mixed and mastered it, too. And he's so talented. And I just can't, I can't praise him enough. Um, but he made the song what it was. So yeah, it's it was it was super fun. You mentioned the message that you want to convey with it, mm-hmm. and they kind of hint about it when NPR put their piece out about it. But what for you as the writer, what was the message that you wanted to convey? So when I like sat down on my computer to like write lyrics, because I I normally I didn't know how to structure songs out before, but I I've kind of figured out a, a system for myself, and it's to write lyrics first and then create melodies over them. Well, because you said. I was reading that Stereo Gum article earlier. You, it said you started out writing poetry mostly for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so has that has that system worked like really conducively for you to start with the lyrics, start with the subject matter, and then add the melody on top of that? Mm-hmm. Okay. For the mo- yeah, for the most part, that's usually how it goes. Okay. Sometimes like I'll write something real good on the guitar and be like, I have to write something now. Mm-hmm. Or like a melody. But the thing that like I feel most comfortable doing is writing lyrics first. And it's probably because I was doing poetry for like... a a while when I was younger um so when I sat down I was just like what do I want to write about like what what do I want to talk about and I just thought and like let myself feel things I guess and I just started thinking about my mind sort of wandered towards um Christianity and the stuff that I've been um working through in my own head for the past two years and you know about how I feel about western Christian culture um and I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you like how the lyrics came out, but it, it definitely came from the emotion of of frustration and heartbreak, um, but also like a desire to understand and to empathize and, and to create change that way. 
Um, because I think a lot of people, when they're Christians, they grow up Christians, and then um, they get older, and then they realize that there's a lot of fundamental problems with this culture. Um, they want to go far left of whatever that is and go extremely to the other side um, and to hate, you know, to, to despise or to, um, you know, not want anything to do with this culture. And which I understand, I completely understand. I was like that for a while. Um, but I, I feel like I've come to a place uh, recently where I feel like you have to meet people in the middle um, and you have to try at least try to put yourself in their shoes and to understand where they're coming from um, or, or how they were raised um, to be able to to really create change in people's lives you have I feel like you have to be able to or to be willing to hear and, and listen um, and so that's why I was saying in the song, I want to forgive, surrender the pain. Like, um, I want to be able to forgive these people for hurting me because I feel like that's the only thing that will help people move forward. Like forgiveness not only is for me, but it's for the people that I am choosing to forgive because it gives them the opportunity possibly to change. Like whenever I've done something shitty or, you know, not cool, um, and somebody made it clear that they forgave me. It's such, I, don't, I can't even describe that feeling. Like it's such a relief and a freeing thing. And it, it, it's the primary motivator for me wanting to change my life and, and to move forward is this person has grace for me, you know, and I want to be able to show grace for other people. So that's like, I guess that's like the, the, the theme of the whole song is like, there's this, there's this problem, there's this huge fundamental problem, and there's a lot of evil people out there calling themselves Christians or saying that they represent God and they don't. Um, but there's also people who um, were just raised in this, with this mindset like I was, and maybe they just need somebody to say something, or they need to hear a song like 99 Proofs to, to understand, like, oh, like... I don't know, like, when I when I heard As Cities Burn for the first time, I listened to um, Hell or High Water and Come Not Sleep, and they're both song, both records about, like, the dirty parts of Christianity or the, the dirty parts of, like, being a person. And I never, I never heard that. Like, it was always, like, you know, Christian bands being like, oh, God's so great and my life's so good. Um, but that's not how it is. And no, yeah. it's full of, life is full of doubt and, and suffering and that band was very good about about making that clear and that's what i want to do is because it changed me like it it changed and changed my perspective and made me think about you know stuff that i was doing wrong in in the way that I, the way my mindset was and it was like oh maybe i should change this so i recognized that music can do something to to i don't know just open like open a door or shine a light on something that people don't previously think about so that's i guess that's what the song's about (laughs) i mean that's awesome and i i feel like in in a state just i guess of our nation and our civilization or our society where things are getting so polarized Mm -hmm. it's so encouraging to hear from an artist who's trying to say like let's try to meet people where they are and let's try to have empathy for people and recognize that they are humans like first and foremost Mm -hmm. 
um, and kind of have that reconciliatory mm-hmm. tone with music. That's that's really awesome to hear. Thank you. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier that everything up until this point has led to this tour with Copeland and from Indian Lakes. I was wondering if you mm-hmm. could talk about how that got organized and how you found yourself on this fantastic bill. Yes. Um, so I've been trying to tour with Copeland <laughs> for the past year or two, yeah. like since I've thought that it's a even a small possibility. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just got, I got a booking agent like a year ago. Um, who's awesome. I love him. His name is Jake Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I think he like, works with the booking agent for Copeland. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I went to South by Southwest and played mm-hmm. there last year, um, played a few showcases and Jake Zimmerman came and met me and we hung out a little bit and yep. he was like, yeah, I'm friends with, I think we were like talking about Copeland or something and how much I love that band. Yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm friends with the, the booking agent. And I was like, do you think you could get me a tour? And he was like, would you want to? And I was like, yes, Absolutely. And he was kind of surprised, like, kind of shocked that I wanted to tour with him. I don't know. And I was like, yeah, please do it. Why would you? Oh, that's, that's, yeah. yeah. Why would you not want to tour with Copeland? Uh, Jesus. So, like, he was like, okay, like, I'll talk to them. He And then um, I would just ask him every once in a while, like, hey, like, have you talked to the booking agent? And he would tell me, like, oh, yeah, Copeland's working on a record right now. They're they're doing a tour, like, after they, re- after they finish writing. Yeah. And um, so they, like, haven't planned a tour yet but once they do i'll talk to him um so it was just me like basically punishing jake for a year about touring with copeland and um once i they released a single i was like jake like texting him jake please please talk to him He was like i'm working on it um and i think i think tom and jesse my my managers Mm -hmm. also my label um, were working on it too like Mm -hmm. just trying and I hadn't heard anything for like two months, like wasn't trying to bug them about anything. Um, and one day, like I was shopping for groceries at Walmart and Tom and Jesse called me and told me that I got the tour and I just cried, <laughs> cried in the Walmart. Cause I was like, finally, yeah. <laughs> cause it's been like, it's been a, a year since I've done any, well, I did a tour last year with the spoken word artist, uh, yeah. Neil Hilborn. Okay. Um, but after that, like I wasn't really doing anything. And as a, as an artist, um, I've talked to other artists about this before. Like mm-hmm. when you're just going through a period of doing nothing, it feels like you're re- reverting, like you're yeah. you're taking steps backwards. It feels like, well, I'm not moving forward. Like there's something wrong. You know, I'm th- I must not be good enough, or mm-hmm. something must I, something I'm doing must be bad. Um, so I was just really bummed, like for a little while, just thinking, like, man, maybe this isn't it. Like maybe I'm not gonna be doing music because mm-hmm. nothing's happening for me. Um, but that tour announcement, like them telling me about the tour t- came like just in time for yeah. me. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. We're moving forward. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I was worried, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that's, that was like November of last year. And, yeah. Um, well, and how have the, sh- cause you guys had like a first leg mm-hmm. of the tour. So how have those shows been so far? They were pretty, they were awesome. I yeah. mean, it was, I can't even, I can't even put it into words. Like also on top of like being able, getting to tour with these bands, um, them also being good people yeah. and being people who want and pursue friendship mm-hmm. with me and with my band has been so crazy. Cause I know I've heard horror stories about friends and bands touring with other bands who just don't give a shit and don't yeah. want to be friends with anyone or don't want to talk. And yeah. I was like, I'm not going to let that happen. Like I want to be friends with these people. Um, and we are like, we're all chill. We mm-hmm. all hang out. It's awesome. Um, I can't, I mean, I can't remember like, 
it's like a fever dream. I, I feel like that's the best way to describe it is the first leg of the tour just felt like a, a long fever dream. Yeah. Just every day was like, what is happening? You know, but it's been awesome and really humbling and also yeah. like encouraging and affirming. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah. So then what, uh, what else is in store? Um, what do you so got coming up? I, so we're doing this tour and then I have a few tours, uh, booked for the summer, um, that I can't talk about yet, Okay. but, uh, they're happening. And okay. I'm very excited about them. Um, and then after those tours are done, um, I'm going to go, I'm, well, I'm just going to go home and, and write and yeah. book some sessions with a few different people and, mm-hmm. uh, try to finish this record and then go in and record it like for real. Um, and hopefully, awesome. hopefully have it released by early 2019, 2020. So yeah, that's, awesome. I mean, that's all I've got for now. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, you're about to go on stage in like 10 minutes here, so I'm going to let you go yeah. and get uh, <laughs> set up and all that jazz. Um, for those of you just joining, I'm not sure why you're joining at the end of the episode. That's a stupid thing to say. But we've been talking with Brianna Hunt of Many Rooms. She's performing at Off-Broadway, and she's been on tour with From Indian Lakes and Copeland. Uh, Brianna, where can people follow you online on the interwebs to get further information and stuff? Um, Twitter and Instagram. I'm just Many Rooms Music. Uh, and I have Facebook and Spotify and iTunes, all that. You can find me there. Perfect. Awesome. Mariana, uh, thank you so much for this opportunity, and I'm stoked to hear you play tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was my interview with Brianna Hunt of Many Rooms during Copeland's Blushing Tour. She just finished up a summer run with As Cities Burn and I'll Get Out. Now she's going to be heading back into the studio, like she said, for a little bit. But she will be heading to Europe in November and December, supporting Soft Kill along with Slow Crush. You can find all those dates online on her Twitter page, Instagram page, and Facebook page. That's going to do it for this episode of Middle of the Dial. I'm Jonathan Rahul. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at AnotherRahulJ. And make sure to follow our website on Twitter at Middle of Row. Or just check us out on our website at www.middleofrow.com. And remember, the best songs are in the middle of the dial.